Welcome to the Midcast, presented by the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each month we will look at some of the key issues for mission in Scotland today. We'll bring you experienced voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the mission of the church in Scotland. Hi there, welcome along to the Midcast episode number two. My name is Glenn Innes. It's great to have you here. Thanks for taking the time to download this episode. Our very first episode was with Alan Donaldson, where he had a look at some of the bigger picture issues facing the church in Scotland. And we were delighted to be able to release a bonus episode last month with Ali Lang from the Baptist Union, looking at issues of mission and youth culture. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to listen to those, let me strongly encourage you to do so. Today we have for you an interview with Martin Clark, which we originally recorded as a pilot episode, but there's so much great content we decided we'd like to put it out as a main episode, particularly because the story of Hillview was told in the Connect magazine for April. We got some great feedback on that and thought it would be helpful for people to hear some more of the detail behind that. I very much enjoyed recording this episode with Martin and I hope you enjoy listening to it. We have Martin here today. Martin is the lead pastor of Hillview Community Church in Aberdeen. And we've got him on because they as a church were replanted a number of years ago. And in the last year or so, they have planted another church uh, in a village not too far from Aberdeen. So we're going to dig into those issues with Martin. Uh, first of all, though, Martin, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about your family and uh, how you come to be the lead pastor of Hillview. So I am married to Lindsay. Uh, we've been married 14 years and uh, have two kids. Uh, Bethany is 12 and Jacob is 9. And uh, I came to be pastor here uh, after... Um, I was youth pastor from 2002 to 2007, had a few years away working for a ministry called Sold Out, and uh, during that time towards the end of, of that season, uh, we felt called to to church planting, and uh, we're exploring what that might look like, but God had a different plan. Uh, at the time, as I'm sure we'll dig into, IBC was going through some stuff, and they asked us if we would come back initially for six months. Uh, to explore what it might look like to help replant IBC, International Baptist IBC, for those who don't know. Yeah, sorry. So before Hillview was Hillview, it was International Baptist Church. Okay. And uh, came initially for six months and then managed to uh, write myself a job into the replant proposal. Well <laughs> and, done. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, uh, I, it was March 2011 that I came back to IBC and it was September of 2011 when IBC became Hillview. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, for the full uh, clarity of those listening, Martin and I are friends. We've known one another probably more years than we'd like to admit now. <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, so if this feels a little jovial, then that's because uh, it is genuinely a joy to spend time uh, with my friend here. And I, I know a bunch of the story uh, behind what goes on. So we're going to try and dig into that so that you guys can hear some of the great things they've been able to do here and the thing, the lessons they have learned uh, along the way. First of all, the replant. Mm. Uh, part of... Could you paint us a picture, perhaps, of what was going on at IBC uh, immediately before the replant and then kind of what that journey was like and where you're at now? Yeah. Well... 
International Baptist Church had a uh, pretty remarkable history. Kind of, I guess it's pretty unusual for, uh, in terms of Baptist churches across Scotland. It was planted in 1979. The building that we're sitting in now was built in '84, and it was planted by Southern Baptist missionaries from Texas. Uh, two couples came over to Aberdeen. One couple ended up establishing International Baptist, one couple Bridge of Dawn Baptist Church. And, um, and really it was planted, you know, broadly speaking, to minister into the, the context of that day with the growing oil industry, huge numbers of people over from Texas. Uh, and I guess part of it was to have a church that was more similar to the, what they were used to back home. Um, but also, you know, the, there was a real missionary zeal at that time. People wanted to reach out to Aberdeen and God did some uh, remarkable things through the years. But like any church, you know, it, it, had, its, it had its challenges over the days. Um, Andy Hayes came along as he's now one of the pastors at Bridge Dawn Baptist, but he arrived here in 2004 and came with a, a very clear uh, vision. He had seen some of the, the challenges that IBC had faced, that it was seen in the local community, um, probably perhaps slightly unfairly, but it was seen by, by many as the American church. It wasn't fully rooted, rooted in the local area. And it also, I think Andy saw what was coming with the changing dynamic in the oil industry in Aberdeen and the changing uh, demographic there. So Andy came with this very clear vision to move the church towards a place of greater focus and energy and mission and ministry in the local area to reach out to the people of Cults, Bealdside and uh, beyond. Um, but it was difficult because the the very DNA with which the church had been planted made it challenging. So there was this very strong expat focus. So there was all these Americans. I think uh, the church was 95% American when it was first established. Wow. And over the years, that began to shift. Um, and when I, I guess when Andy arrived, it was probably about 60-40 in 2004. Um, so that was challenging. The DNA was had this American feel to it. Not just American, but... That was the predominant uh, nationality there. And then also just this the sense of the, the huge turnover that there is in the oil industry. Every two or three years, some of your key folk are, are leaving and, and moving on. So um, the, the, some of the DNA in the church made that change difficult. And then also numbers did begin to fall of expats in Aberdeen. And what that meant was that the church had something of, I think, a bit of an identity crisis, which was the purpose for which the church was planted was no longer particularly relevant. Mm. It was there to reach out to Texans, you know. And yeah, it, it was a lot broader than that, but that was part of it. And that shifted over the years. And I think the church then is trying to figure out, well, who are we and what are we here for? And I think that was challenging as, as well. And also just as happens in churches, um, Sadly, the church hit upon some really tough things, some conflict internally in membership, also in staff. There were some, some difficult times. All that to say that by the time it got to 2010, things were very, very difficult in the church. They were, they were not sustainable, frankly. There was two elders. Um, they were uh, keeping the place afloat, you might say, uh, and there was burnout, there was disappointment, there was struggle off the back of some of that conflict. And there was... Just the sense of <laughs> they were just trying to keep their head above water, yep. let alone looking outward yeah, yeah, yeah. and say, well, what does it look like for us to be uh, shining the light of Christ 
in this in this area. So you know, it's interesting when you speak to some folk now who are there at the time. One or two of them would even say that that they they were really close to just pondering. Do we need to just close the doors? Yeah. That's how difficult okay. things were by the time it got to to twenty ten. Um. So there was that that sense of faith-filled hope and expectancy in, in God had just gone. And I think that was what led people to say, we need to, we need to do something here. Okay. We need to do something. And that something was a replant. That's right. And you got involved at this point because they brought you in originally temporarily to That's help right. them think about what that replant might yeah. look like. Yeah. Uh, and as you said earlier, you managed to write your own job description <laughs> into that. Uh, that's a little cynical. Uh, that's not at all true. God was involved in that process. But um, I think uh, it, it would be helpful for us, I think, to hear. So in that six months, what, what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, and, and what was the, I, I guess, the product at the end of that yeah. six months? Yeah. Well, I think what we were attempting to do was to draw a line, to, to give thanks to God for incredible stuff that he'd done since 1979 to 2011. Okay. And, you know, I think that was an important part of it, was yeah. to, you know, uh, to, to celebrate the, the many, many good things that God had done, but also to be really honest about the reality that, that this was a, a critical moment and, and, and that there, there, there was a sense of needing to recalibrate and reboot and draw a line, give thanks to God, and then move forward with renewed vibrancy and hope and expectation. So we really took that as an opportunity to look across the whole church. So vision, values, church name, membership structure, staff structure, uh, constitution, buildings, ministries, and really to say, do you know what, let's, uh, let's consider all of these things together in one go, and uh, let's pray and seek God and, uh, and ask that, that his spirit might lead us into a new season. Uh, with a renewed heart for the local area, for outreach and mission, um, so that was that was what was going on in those six months. So we wrote, we we did it in a, a way too short a time on reflection. Looking back, I feel that we, we we it was a very very busy time, and and we tried to get a lot into six months. But effectively, between well, but, but, but can I cut you off there just yeah. for a second? Because yeah. I hear what you're saying in terms of it taking longer mm-hmm. uh, or, or perhaps wishing you'd taken longer. But is it realistic? If someone's listening here going, actually, I, I, I recognise some of those things you're talking about, IBC and the church we're in. Um, is it realistic in those circumstances to take longer than mm. six months? Yeah. Or was it... Actually, it may well have been busy, but was it necessary to do it in such a short period? Well, it's it's one of the fascinating things for me to look back on is to try and understand what what was it that happened? Because you've used the terminology, because I've used it, uh, and we used it at the time, of replanting. And it's an interesting question to what degree what we did was a replant versus what sometimes might be called a revitalization. When I came in, right, so there was two elders... My passion at that time was to say, so it was about March, I said, right, here's what we might do. And, and this was what I was fairly enthusiastic about. Let's, let's close the doors after a few months. Let's have a complete break. Let's reform a core planting team. Let's not meet in this church building because I think that building had become a challenge over the years. It's a beautiful building. It's a, it's, um, but there, there's all sorts of other things we could talk about, about the way in which the building in which we're currently sitting um, had not changed 
over the years as the the vision needed you know the sure. the, the, the buildings sh- should have adapted over the years and they and they hadn't um so initially i wanted to have the stark divide uh, and and re- and replant truly but what was really interesting was that you see i wasn't coming in as a shepherd at that point i was coming in from the outside but the shepherds who were remaining andy and one other lay elder colin um, they loved the people that they were caring for. And throughout all the challenges, they wanted to, to keep that group together and they didn't feel able to do that. So what that effectively meant was, was it a replant or was it not? Well, it was the same church that stayed with us. It was the same congregation that were Hillview as was IBC. I think we lost one, uh, one family uh, at that time because they just they, they, they felt it was time to, to move on. Um, but... Uh, so, you know, was it a replant or was it not? And I, I think the, the question of, of speed is an interesting one. There was, there was a moment, I think there was a moment, I think there was a, a, an opportunity that we had. And I think there was, there was this, it was something of a crisis point. It was, we need to do something here. And that created that sense of urgency, which I think created a, a prayerfulness and a, a recognition that, that we needed to move forward. And, uh, and, and I think there was an excitement that came with that as well. Okay, that's great. That's great. Um, you, you've used the plural we a lot as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wasn't in our notes to talk about, but I just recognise that as you speak here. Um, to talk to me about why you don't say, I did this, I did that, uh, apart from your uh, obvious humility. Um, <laughs> Why why do you continue to use the we thing, or how did you make that we real? Well, the lovely history was that the, the church knew me. I often joke with people that in one sense, when I came to be a pastor at IBC, then Hillview, in one sense, there was not much of an interview process. I got off pretty lightly in that regard. But in another sense, I had the hardest interview ever, which was a five-year interview of they they knew me pretty well as youth pastor. So they they knew my struggles and knew me. So, and they knew my strengths. Um, And and what that meant was I I, I was welcomed into a team dynamic. And uh, and Andy Hayes had had this vision really for what we were talking about. This was his vision when he came in 2004. And I think what I was able to do was just to bring that extra bit of energy. Um, You know, the guys had been, you know, struggling away, faithfully serving for year after year. And they brought me into that team. They welcomed me into that team. And I think they acknowledged in me you know, with, with the way that God had been guiding me about church planting, I probably came with uh, that extra bit of, of clarity, of focus, of how we might move things forward. How can we look positively forward? So, um, but it was never just me. It was into a team. And I think then the challenge is trying to bring folk with you through a replant process like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was six years ago. That's right. Um, h- how are things right now? Yeah. Well, it, like anywhere, it depends where you look. You know, you got these <laughs> you got these pastors' lunches, right? And they're like, "How's things going at your church?" And it's like, "Well, awesome, isn't that?" Nice? <laughs> depends what email I'm reading, yeah. right? You know, or, or thinking about. No, I think it, it does. There's there's always there's always challenges in church life, and uh, as 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 you know, and as we all know, but um, no, I, I think there is a lot to be encouraged about. Uh, you know, a a, wor- a big important word for us now. 
uh, at, at Hillview is the word family. And what we have here is a, a lovely family. There is a very diverse uh, family, different ages, different church backgrounds, increasingly uh, a great diversity of ethnic backgrounds gathering together Brilliant. in the church, which is massively encouraging. A group of brothers and sisters uh, who care well for one another and who are uh, increasingly so reaching out with great zeal and hope and faith and expectancy. So, you know, for example, we're recording this in Advent and um, we've had all our Christmas services. And what's encouraging about that is that you catch a glimpse um, of something that is just going on in the background all the time, which is relationships being formed. Um, the, the, the people of the church shining Jesus' light in very normal ways at the school gates, in the office, in their streets and communities. And then, you know, at times like Christmas services, you catch a, a glimpse of the, the fruit of that because, you know, people will come along to a carol service and, and, and all the rest of it. Uh, that spills out into these events that we run at this time. So, you know, there's other things, you know, we're about to launch another session of Alpha, which has been something that's been a great encouragement. And there's these various ongoing ministries, like mainly music's just something that's been running faithfully, faithfully over many, many years. And so, so there's certainly lots to be encouraged about I guess truthfully you know you kind of often look back and go how are we getting on here well it would be true to say that you know we've not seen huge numbers of people come to to faith um which you know is something I struggle with a little bit and we'll maybe talk about that as we think about some of the lessons that we've we've learned but what we have seen is just um regular periodic just glimpses of God's miraculous life-changing power Brilliant. and what that does is that fires me up because that gives me faith to believe that there's more still to yeah, come fantastic. um so God you know has used Hillview in some quite special ways and, and one of those is that for whatever reason we look across and Hillview seems to have been a place of peace and restoration yeah. and healing and 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 rest for a number of different people. Um, people who have come, who have had various struggles, different seasons of life, various seasons of church life as well, and have landed at Hillview and found a place to just meet God again and to be restored and, and then I think hopefully in, in God's grace re-energized um, and, and walking forward in the path of discipleship. And I guess that's one of the one of the challenges that I, th I think we're all constantly grappling with in discipleship is how how do you move forward with people who are limping and with tears and with brokenness and how do you pursue what God has for us and what God wants for us in terms of us shining his light into the communities uh, that we're in and the lives of the people that we that we walk with um, how do you do that with people who are just struggling and finding life really difficult? Um, so that, that's where we're at. I mean, we're at a church full of messed up, weary, tired, struggling people, but who are seeking to find energy from the Spirit of God to pursue the one or two things. I'm just always saying to folk, what are the one or two ways that God is encouraging you to step forward into what he has for you and shine in his light? Brilliant. Brilliant. There's so many good things there. And I, I just want to pick out one thing. I love how much you focus almost immediately on the relational stuff, on the family stuff, on all of that. But I, I think it's worth for our listeners 
making the point that the church is substantially larger than it was. And I understand you're saying it's not necessarily yeah. through uh, straightforward salvation, but the church is substantially mm. larger than it was. That the replant, at least yeah. in a worldly sense mm. or, or in a numbers sense, yeah. maybe a better word, uh, has been successful. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's been it's been wonderfully encouraging. You know, it has. There's been about uh, I think I think when uh, around the time of 2011, there was something in the region of. Uh, 35, 40 people around uh, yeah. members um, and you know on December 31st we're welcoming in our 100th member okay. um, but the congregation's a good bit bigger than that there's probably between Hillview and Contour I, I guess around 250 or so connected to the church now so really? And and, really? Uh, and 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 many of those have been people who have come back to faith and there are some who have come to faith yeah. out of nowhere and we rejoice but I'm just always for more of course of course I, th- I think that's the one kind of greed it's okay to have you know, yeah, 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 more yeah, souls right, in right. the kingdom um, we're going to run out of time here but um, how about how about we pick this up what were the key drivers yeah. for the success of uh, that replant and I think we should call it a success I know you may be a little hesitant to do that oh. but we should absolutely call it that we're all we're all we're, we're all a work in progress right I think one of them was recapturing vision and trying to call people back to what are we to be about anyway what is this whole thing called okay. faith who is God again what is he calling us to what, what is our church to be about so recapturing vision is certainly one recapturing faith in a big God who can do powerful things through fragile people like me. Um, I think acknowledging, a big one was acknowledging the need to clean the slate, to make some hard decisions uh, that we will not go down this route of conflict. We will not go down this route of inward navel gazing, but to actually, no, no, no. God is, God wants us to move forward god wants us to look outward and actually that's hard to be honest to get to that point where you're saying with that determination to pursue uh, his his work and what he's doing in the world and then through all of that right i mean as all of this is happening in god's grace what that does is you're forced back to a place of desperation and you're forced to a prayerfulness yeah. and uh, you know it's sometimes we need these things to get us back on our knees. Yeah. And uh, initially, I think those prayers were, God, just help us get moving again. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep this family of faith alive. That was initially the prayer. Yeah. And then it was, God, help us get moving. But then I think increasingly you're praying, okay, God, your kingdom come here in Aberdeen. Yeah. What does that look like for us in our particular context? I mean, we're here in a very affluent part of Aberdeen. So what does it look like for God's kingdom to come in, in, a, in, a, in a community where the vast majority of people on the face of it, on a surface level, don't feel that they have many needs. Yeah. So that these prayers begin to, to come. So uh, those are some of the key drivers uh, to, to getting us moving again. Brilliant. And just very briefly at the end, I, I, I really want to pick this up. You planted a church, you mentioned it's in Kintour, which yeah. is what, a village 15 miles from here, something like that? Yeah, I don't know. It's about 35 minutes drive. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so you sent them out earlier this year, is that correct? Yeah, um, so the official launch was January 15th, yeah. Great. D- tell us a little bit, why planting a church? And uh, 
How's it going? You know, I'll, try, I'll try and be fast, but that's a fascinating question. I mean, uh, it's interesting now. People look back on Kintour and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, it was obvious for us to plant Kintour uh, because there were lots of people coming to our church from Kintour, but it did not feel like that at the time. Um, when we replanted, one of the things... In our vision statement, let, let's be honest, right? Most churches' vision statements are pretty similar, right? Yep. Okay, yep. we want to be a church that's biblical. Yeah, okay, so does everyone else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the, I guess one of the slightly more unique ones in 2011 was that we wrote in of our eight vision statements, one of them was, we see a church that plants churches. Right. And you've got to remember, at that time, there's this time of crisis in yep. IBC. People looked at me and the other leaders like we had two heads. Yep. They're like, what are you talking about? Yep. Um, but we had that determination to pursue that and we were beginning to pray, what would this look like? And there were so many possibilities. We, we, we explored various opportunities of what that might look like. And eventually, I think God brought Contour to the forefront. Uh, we did have a reasonable number of folk coming over from Kintour to Cults, which is a pretty random journey, and that was causing problems in terms of outreach. Brilliant relationships were being developed, but integrating them into the life of the church and the various uh, meetings of the church was, was going to be quite difficult. But, but still... It wasn't the case that these people that were coming, these, these, these brothers and sisters that were coming from Kintour, it wasn't the case that they were itching to be sent back to Kintour to form a, a congregation. It took an awful lot, I think, for all of us of, of nudging and provocation and prayer and determination, really. And, it, and I think people say, oh, it was just the obvious thing, so that's why Kintour happened. I don't think that's true. I think Kintour happened because it was in our vision statement, and we pursued that and chased after it because it was very difficult along the way and a very painful thing for many, many people. And, and, and one of the things just did practically was that we had limited space in our sanctuary and we, did, we were determined, we're not going to build, we're not going to go to multiple services here. Why would you want to do that when there are so many parts of Aberdeen who, no, I've got good friends who, who do that, so that, I'm not criticising them, but we felt, wouldn't it be better for us to send a few dozen people away to a different part of Aberdeen to establish a new family of faith there? So we had... Uh, Many, many months then of trying to figure out how on earth this is going to happen. At this point, we're still a little church, right? And um, eventually we got to the point where we felt that we had to do something. To be honest with you, the whole process of how we got to Contour was difficult. And we haven't had tons of clarity at various points along that journey. But we just got to a point, I guess about a year and a half ago, we felt we were going to lose people if we didn't do something. Okay. We'd had this vision. We talked about church planning for ages and we felt that folk were um, just going to check out unless we just did something. So we we uh, we launched Kintour very much under the Hillview banner. It's it, what you know. Many people would look on and say it's more of a site model at the moment than than its own. It's certainly not yet its own autonomous church plan. It's very much still connected to the Hillview family. It has its own identity as Contour Community Church, but one eldership and all the rest of it. So we found, basically, we found a way. We had to find a way to step forward. And we, and we, we did that. Brilliant. I, I, I absolutely love the fact that right back at the point of this replant with this small, vulnerable, crisis-hit uh, congregation, uh, the... The model wasn't, let's just build something that will yeah. keep us alive. But you had a vision for something far beyond that. 
uh, and for a place that you could not yet see. And yet God brought you those people from Kintour mm-hmm. and you've been able to send them back into that community. Yeah. And and the, the, the church plant, you know, 12 months in yeah. is going well, right? Yeah, really, really encouraging. I mean, it's just so encouraging to see. Again, it's all about these relationships that have been formed and are now on the edge of the family of faith, but coming in, coming yeah. in. And uh, we're thrilled about how, that's, how God's doing that. Absolutely brilliant. Such an inspiration, Martin. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story, for the, sharing the Hillview story. Um, I'm convinced we could dig into loads more. Okay. Uh, Martin's just flicked up his notes here and he had another three pages of notes and we've already run over time. So That's maybe good. we'll have to do another one of these uh, with Martin or we'll record one that is not a test episode <laughs> and may actually go out to the public. Listen, Martin, it is it has been a joy. Right. Thank you so very much for... Thanks. For your time. I have a question for you that I didn't prime you for, so you may not be able to answer. Uh, do you have one resource that you would recommend to people thinking about replanting or church planting? Yeah, I mean, um, Ed Stetzer's book, Viral Churches, was massively formative for me Great. while we were considering the replant. It just so many different models of church planting. Uh, that you have to say, well, surely one of them can work for us, right? So that's a, that's a great book. That's really helpful. So that's Ed Stetzer's book, Viral Churches. We'll put that in the show notes uh, for you. Have a look there. Thank you, Martin, for all your time. It's been brilliant to have you here. That just about does it for episode two of the Midcast. Just to say that if you've enjoyed our conversation today, please subscribe to the Midcast. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and really any other way that you pick up your podcast. Please do tell others and get in touch if you have any feedback or ideas for guests you would like to hear on the Midcast. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at BUSMigCast, or on the Baptist Union of Scotland website at scottishbaptist.com forward slash midcast. I'm Glenn Innes. This has been the Midcast episode number two. We are out. You've been listening to the Midcast, a presentation of the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland.